podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Tuesday's episode of the Terra Scottish Football Podcast. There were some people that enjoyed their weekend a little bit too much for it to be Monday's edition, but we're here to look over the Scottish Cup semi-finals from the weekend just past. And to do that, I have brought along Tony Anderson. Oh, How are you doing, Tony? I'm fine, Craig. I'm fine, Craig. Yes. Uh, I won't get too frustrated. I was meant to not be doing the Monday one, just in case, for those same reasons. Uh, but Hearts did win. Uh, I think Fowler went and had himself a, a lovely little time after it. And so be it. I would have done exactly the same if the shoes were on my foot. I had quite a ordeal um, sort of getting to the game. My, my, my mate just didn't show. <laughs> like, I'd organised buses. And I got... My mate got it for the rainbow. And he organised it to go. And there was six of them. They could only get the same amount of seats as it was for before. So I said... Oh, you know what, I'll, I'll get another bus so Big Dunk could come, but then Dunk was going on holiday, realised, just after it, and I'd ordered, so me and my pal Jamie, was just, we will just get on this other one that we'd been using for the earlier rounds, and just let them get on it, and then their bus got liquidated, the other bus, and they were struggling, but then it came back, uh, and the guy Sounds sort extreme. Of, yeah, yeah, and then their boy, their boy got, they kept all their trophies, don't worry, um, and they, and then they came back, and they got another one, and then it was just me and Jamie get another one. I was like, that's fine, we'll go. We're booked into a pub, and then we'll we'll all meet in Leith after or whatever. And then he just, I think he might have made met a lady on the Friday night. It's a guy who uh, isn't working at the moment, but he's, he's he, he does a he does a good job. So he's in between contracts or whatever. So nothing else on all week. Still goes out on the Friday night. Ends up meeting a girl. I think he woke up in a Premier Inn. Uh, and then didn't didn't show up for the game, so I thought I was getting left on my Todd from like eight o'clock in the morning till like quarter past twelve, and I meet everyone at the game, and then I'd have to leave them again and jump on a bus to go all the way back. But fortunately, I just basically snuck to their pub where they were in Rutherglen and met on them, and there was a spare seat on the bus so I could drive and go to Hamden from there. Um, so it was all haphazard, much like. Um, the sort of lead up to the game uh, from a hips perspective, really. Were you one of the fans who ran up the stairs at 2-0 and then ran back down at 2-1? That would be very like me, Craig. But this occasion, I actually held firm because it was only, what, 17 minutes or something into the game or 18 minutes into the game or whatever. So, uh, so I actually held firm this time, but with very much of the attitude that if there's one more goal, then I am off. But... As I say, there was like there was leaks coming from uh, leaks about the Hibs team from pretty early on, and they were spot on. So the rumours that I heard that it was like a senior player had leaked the team to a youth player. They they they're hard to argue with now because the team was quite left field, so someone had to know. And the and the rumours that came out at eight o'clock in the morning were spot on. So. Uh, maybe the, these things will be all lead to part of the reason why Maloney was sat because maybe there was, um, so people weren't really on board with them 
uh, could I think it's easy to question when things like 8am leaks of cup semi-final teams are, are coming out. But we everyone moaned about the team and then it turned out James Scott is playing up front. <laughs> and we will be going into more depth about Maloney and his time in charge in the Patreon. But for this podcast, we're just going to focus on the matches that have happened. So, yeah, I mean, what, what did you... You've kind of given it away a wee bit there, but what, what did you actually think of the lineup when you saw it? Um, there was elements of it that uh, I could I could understand. Um, the the James Scott one is is always is it's just that he's been nothing short of, of abysmal <laughs> for for Hibs, so it's hard to get on board. But in the Tyne Castle game, Melkerson did struggle against Halkett. Even though I was of the opinion, I, I saw Fowler talking about it on the telly, and I thought it was spot on when when he said that, that Hamden's a bigger pitch. There's more room. Melkerson's movements one of he seems to be one of his higher attributes. So maybe there'd be less going toe to toe with Halkett as I would have been at Tynecastle and movement away. So really, kind of maybe it'd be better to have used Scott at Tyne and and Melkerson at Hamden, maybe. But I mean, that's really picking holes. I mean, ultimately, I thought Scott actually done all right. Yeah, he did. And um, in, in the criticism, and then obviously Paul McGinn was sort of parachuted in out of absolutely nowhere. I mean, he's been like apparently it. training, yeah, recently. And I mean, I'm I'm someone who I defend McGinn. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, and he's had some really really good times. And it's times we remember that he is fucking Paul McGinn, <laughs> and that's sort of one of these and. This, we've not really seen Paul McGinn trying to play in the way that Maloney, I mean, he's not really played much under Maloney. And, and for him to be parachuted in, how they're playing and being asked to play in the style that Maloney insists of, especially from his wider centre-backs, it was a big ask. And I feel like he kind of got thrown under the bus there, but I was a huge fan of Louis Stevenson midfield. I mentioned it on the, on the review before the game. That was something I would absolutely do and, we're now coming to the conclusion that maybe Stevenson should be playing midfield for Hibs for the last sort of twelve years rather than rather than a left back because every time he's moved into midfield this season he's arguably looked like one of Hibs' uh, best midfield players. Unfortunately, no, you're right. He was very good, but uh, I don't know. But the argument could maybe be that he should have been playing at left wing back because you've got a very good right centre back who's good on the ball playing out there who who's. I mean, I know it worked in the first game and sometimes he, he stick with those things and he, he does have attributes that... Harry Clark does have attributes that can work as a left wing back, but it just seems like you're you're weakening the team. And yeah, I mean, you're totally right about Paul McGinn. It's, he is not... Uh, for the way that Sean Maloney wanted to play, he was not a centre-half for a Sean Maloney team. And that's how Hearts... Took the lead. It was funnily enough watching it back. It was a uh, the linesman had a hand in the goal because he he gives a free kick because of a poor offside decision. Sims is that which is how Hart started the game. Um, Hearts were direct, but it wasn't necessarily going for flick-ons for Sims, which he he won just about everything he went up for. But um, mm-hmm. it was more down the sides. Hearts were getting a lot of joy down the sides. I mean, right from kickoff, boys. Like Boyce wasn't at it, and the, 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 he kind of set the tone for for his match, where he, he kind of fluffed trying to skip past um, Hanlon, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and and the the free kick comes from Sims going down the the other side, and McGinn gets a ball. I mean, maybe Cadden shouldn't really be playing it to him, but then again, Cadden doesn't have many options, and. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and the so manager will be insisting on trying to rotate the yeah, position. Yeah, and to be fair, and not it's, just playing long. It's the kind of thing that Maloney has done, and managers like Maloney will say after those games, maybe not after a semi final, but they'll say, "Well, I'm asking them to play like that, so it's my fault. They're, they're going to make mistakes mm. until they 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 learn how to do it properly. That kind of thing." Thing is, though, you don't even really want to be taking risks at nil-nil in the first half of the semi-final like that. So, um, for ten minutes or something. Yeah, yeah and it was a cracking finish from Sims. Oh, and then, uh, sorry, on you go. The thump, the, sorry, the thump when he when he hits it, man. It's like he's hit it with a baseball bat. Um, and it's and talk about Sims in general. Um, he was really key in the in the other derby. Um, maybe not quite to the levels he was in this, but, but tactically, I think his ability to stretch the game and sort of out-muscle Hanlon was obviously really key for one of the goals, and he did play well. But in this game, I thought he was superb. Uh, he, what worried me, and I said it, is that he can go to any area of the back three and win it. So it wasn't like he was having to pick and choose who's the weakest member and I'll go and play on him. He was going across, which is brilliant of your hearts because it means that whatever side of the pitch you have it, he can move to the correct area, which would be best for the guy who's got the ball, um, to, to give him sort of an array of options. And he was superb. And, and like Porteous, I thought, had possibly his, his worst all-round game he's ever had in a long time. I'd messaged at half-time to say that he had been absolutely terrible and you had agreed. Mm. Um, I don't know how much that came across on the television, but he he was giving the ball away a lot and he was he was a bit... Yeah. Old, it was like he was trying too hard and he was being a bit too on the erratic side of, of Ryan Portis. But mm. I, thought, I thought he grew into the game was a lot better in the second half, though. Yeah, once he settled, and once the team, once him started to to sort of really grow into it, and sort of were given, I mean, you can argue given a lot of the possession, or we're starting to win the ball really regularly in midfield. Then Porteous did start to have a lot of impact. But let's go back to the first half. I mean, that's to where Hearts sort of like sort of won the game, basically. Well, it looked like the game was over. Um, I mean, essentially, it was the winner. One of the best goals I've ever seen in the <laughs> flesh. It was just unbelievable, and we had a perfect. View of it. I was there with Graham, and we were up in the far top corner of the stand, away from it, and we just had a perfect view of him arrowing it round. It was an outrageous finish. It, mm-hmm. it was one of those ones where you thought they had fluffed it because Boyce's touch backed him, bobbles slightly, and yeah. ninety-nine times out of a hundred in those situations. Somebody gets something on it. Somebody blocks mm-hmm. it somewhere. There's too much times passed for the defenders not to have um, closed down. But not only did Hibbs not do that great a job of closing him down quickly enough, he just bent an absolutely sensational finish. He, he's mm-hmm. scored some great goals this season, but that that's the best of the lot. It was unbelievable. Is that seven seven goals this Something season? Something like that. Yeah, there were a few headers I mean, and things some, like that. And he scored in the Scottish Cup final last season just, as well. I know he missed the, ultimately missed the penalty, which cost us. But he scored in that match as well. And um, yeah, and like you were just saying, there, it's not necessarily just obviously set pieces is what is going to be sticking in people's minds when it comes to Kingsley. I mean, he done it on I think maybe even the opening day against Dundee this season, um, or maybe it was last season. I can't remember, but. I know that's what's it, but he has scored other types of goals, getting in at the back post, depending on where he's been playing left wing back or if he's playing that centre half role. And just um, what what signing really? Just he has just, he's given so much flexibility to Hearts in, in both a defensive and an offensive sense. I mean, you can't ask for any more of a, of that player. Yeah, if, if it wasn't for Craig Gordon, then he'd be our he'd be our player of the year, I think, because I mean, Barry McKay's 
obviously does a lot of things that makes highlight reels and things like that. And there, he has he has had dips in form, but I think that comes more with that type of player. But Stephen Kingsley's just been sensational almost every match. I mean, he'll make a mistake here and there, which what player in Scotland doesn't. But he, I mean, he's been one of the best players in Scotland this season. He's just been consistently excellent for Hearts. And all round, as an all round player, on the ball, a defender, set pieces, he has actually been brilliant. He's been... Hearts' second or third best player this season. Really, really good. But after his goal, Hearts hadn't even had enough time to celebrate. Hibs fans hadn't even enough, had enough time to leave the stadium, far less get to the <laughs> boozer. And Lewis Stevenson makes Sibic look like a fool. I mean, Sibic's just got to like clear the danger. You can see Halkett tell him to do it. And he um, he, he tries to... Uh, does exactly he tries what to does. Out. On you go. Does exactly what Hanlon does against Sims the week before, um, where he wants to do something smart when he's got the opportunity to just empty it. And at that period in a game where you've just went two and a lot, yeah, it could have got for the time to just like. I mean, it could have been five or six nil if if Hibbs don't score that goal, if Hibbs don't create that attack, if if he just punts it up the field. I mean, Hearts could potentially have a field day, um, but Hibbs. I mean, I don't know if that is the reason that Hibbs got back into it. Hibbs could have got back into it anyway. But I have to say, for a Scottish Cup semi-final win against your rivals, that is one of the worst watches as a Hearts fan from... When was it Kingsley scored? About 15 minutes or something like yeah, that? Yeah, 15 minutes. From then, I mean, we were good at points in the second in the first half after that. But we only got the pitch about three or four times in the second half against 10 yeah. men for a lot of it. And it was a very, very frustrating watch as a Hearts fan. I was, I, I was like, once... Um... We scored, I'm sorry, in the second half, from quite quickly, I, I felt that Hearts looked really rattled and I was quite surprised at that. Like, I mean, they just were, they were never putting their foot on the ball. They were never taking their time to use it. And they'd, and they'd had time between Hibs getting that sort of, that, that sort of avenue back into the game through Chris Cadden's goal. There'd been time between that and half time. So I thought Hearts would really regroup. And it would be tough for Hibs to get back in here, but you always have a chance. But I was really shocked. Uh, like Hearts just looked completely rattled. They didn't look like they fancied it anymore. And Hibs were just getting to win the ball constantly. The, the problem for Hibs is they they lacked the guile and they and they, and they lacked the the, the the players really to to unlock. But they got just in terms of aggression, Hibs were able just to win the ball. Newell got himself sent off, but in that fifty minutes before it, he was winning the ball constantly and driving the team. Forward, and uh, I would like to say something about Henderson, who have not been completely sold on. Uh, I think Maloney got that right. Uh, Henderson was able to sort of carry the ball. He was able to use his pace and trickery to do things when he was kind of isolated and allowed Tibbs to get up the pitch. I thought he had a really, really key role. He had a key role in the goal as well. He was the one who played the, the sort of questionable pass that asked Sibic the, the questions that he didn't have the answers for at the time that Stevenson won. Um, I just thought all round he, he had a he had a really good game and he really, really had the bit between his teeth, which has been lacking a bit. So it was for him to step up in, in that game, maybe some good signs for Henderson because I said before that it's been a bit meh. So for him to get the call to go in the semi-final and I feel like really one of the Hibs players who probably had the biggest impact on Hibs sort of all-round performance, I think that's pretty good for, for him going forward. And then I suppose just have to talk about like Craig Gordon... He always he always has the answer for Hearts at some point in that with a with a brilliant save, Craig. 
I mean, world class. I mean, it's a match winning mm. world class save. It, it, it's really that good. He um, on on the big stage as well. It's um, I mean the big stage in Scottish football. Uh, obviously, I mean. But Graham said to me early in the game. Craig Gordon will have one. He'll always have one. My my response was, I hope it doesn't get to the point where we we need him to to <laughs> dig us out of out of anything. But he did, yeah, because Porteous does everything um, perfectly there. I mean, the, the, the save's been the save's been covered a lot. Um, one thing that sprung into my head there when you were talking about Henderson was, is it him that has your other fairly decent chance? I mean, the, the Porteous chance was a great chance, but this one was a. a a sort of half chance looked like where he got the near post and he kind of fluffed a header just just wide. Was that Henderson? No, that was Melkerson later uh, on. That was, that was uh, the other the end game, of the and, pitch for me. Yeah, that was Melkerson later on in the game when he sort of got he got ahead of it and they try and if you look at it from a different angle, he doesn't really fluff it. The ball goes behind him and he tries to do everything to to sort of contort his body to make it work. It's like if he's an if he if he's like one yard further back, it is an absolute sitter, but he's just got ahead of it. But yeah, I think and then the thing about the, the Craig Gordon saves, it's such a crucial time because if that goal goes in and the way that second half has started and the confidence that would have ripped through the, the Hibs fans for a start, and they and and I think Halkett just went off, which is a huge loss for Hearts. As I mean, everyone's very clear on Suter is a super player. Kingsley's great, but the, the, what I always hear from Hearts fans is that Halkett is the the guy in the defence that really brings it all together and is almost irreplaceable in that in that role that that he has. That others maybe aren't necessarily are. Um, so for him to go off, that gives you a boost. Then you score an equaliser from 2-0 down. Um, and you're already really on top. That's a massive moment in the game. And then, especially then, because, I mean, it's a matter of maybe about seven or eight minutes later that um, Joe Newell just... he wanted, I'm not I'm going to absolutely eviscerate him because he just... He obviously just wanted it so much. He was really at it. He was really aggressive all game. He was really trying his best to be a sort of talismanic figure for, for Hibs, I actually felt in, in that role along with Stevenson and just work, getting through a power of work, but he just got himself carried away too much because it's a needless... Feel. You, how, you always have to think when you're on a booking at that point is, what's there to gain from winning the ball there? It's very little based on and what the opposite is of um, and what can happen if you don't, if you mistime it. So it just sometimes it's not worth it, but he was obviously got himself pumped and he was, I thought he was playing well. Uh, before that, and um, yeah, unfortunately, he gets his marching orders. But what I'll say to the players, and I'm not, I don't want to celebrate the feet because I got, a, I got a bit eh, at the end when it was like rounds of applause for the Hibs fans. They were doing the lap of honour. I found it all a bit not for me, to be quite frank. But I'm happy to say in the pub after it, and I'm happy to say to you on a podcast that I felt the players put it in. I don't have a problem with that, but I think in the stadium, you have to draw the line. You've still been defeated in a semi-final. You've still been playing fucking shit for weeks on end. So um, I think the I think the, the least we could expect as a, as a fan base is for people to be really leaving it all completely out there. I don't think it deserves a lap of honour and a mass round of applause, personally. Um, but uh, yeah, I am happy to say after watching the game, that the players definitely put all out there and done everything, but again, either through injuries or um, lack of cohesion in the last third or whatever, we, we lacked the, the firepower that needed to actually sort of push hearts over, but that, that that's my view on it anyway. Yeah, I quite like the tactical switch of injuring hearts players until they had 
Ty Taylor Moore and Toby Sibbick at centre half. I thought that was good. That worked well for Hibbs, but they didn't really manage to create that many chances. I mean, they, they, they we've talked about the chance that they did create that uh, the Porteous header. If that goes in, it's a, it could be a completely different game. I mean, the momentum's with Hibbs there, and the Hibbs fans were well behind their team for more of the game than Hearts fans were behind theirs. Hearts fans got very quiet after uh, after it went two one and. You could feel the tension among the among the yeah. hearts end for lots of the the game after that. But so I mean, you, you kind of covered it there. But what did you make of people saying? Uh, there's a lot of people making of the performance that there was a lot of fight, there was a lot of spirit there, and it augurs well for what uh, Maloney has to work with now. Ultimately, he's going gone now. But what what did you make of people talking up the the Hibs performance? It's, 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 I always find this a really tough a tough one to talk about because the players take so much stick when it's rubbish and then when they do put a decent performance on the pitch you feel like it is maybe the right thing to do, do it. but context is everything uh, in these environments the team hasn't been performing well players haven't been performing well yes there's mitigating circumstances we sold Boyle there's been a, there's been a, a hell of a lot of injuries more than most clubs and Hibs have clearly struggled to deal with it. And that is fair. I mean, we've had to turn... I mean, guys like Rocky and Melkerson have played quite a lot of football, especially Rocky, even that I don't think Hibs ever deliberately thought that they would ever have to be playing. Um, but we still make decisions, and they're still being extremely poor um, performances leading up to this. They still lost a derby the week before. They've still lost a semi-final against Hearts in the ground. I mean, there's... there's Like, I think... The way I've done it there, I think, is fair. I mention the performance. I mention that I feel that they worked hard. But you can't go any further than that. And 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 sort of, like, start... There's like quite a lot of hollering about it. It just shows how far, like, well, far away Hibs have come in, in the last... Since Boyle left, essentially, and how poorly Hibs have been playing. Because people do want to hold on to something, and it's kind of human nature. And I, and I find that something I don't like to overly criticise these things because I'm a football fan, and I get myself carried away at points, especially on social media or in the ground. And the, the fans probably did think it was going to be so fucking bad. Then it goes two 0 Then the team managed to put something together, go down to ten men, everything working against them, and they do nearly get there over the line. And, and it's clearly not for the want to try. And so I get that mindset but at the same time um, I, I will be drawing the line before rounds of applauses taken to social media to, to scream about how good the team were and I'm proud of them and all that shit because that's just not true I'm happy to say in passing uh, the team clearly worked hard and at least they left out there and I don't even prove that no that proves that they were well behind Maloney or anything like that I think it shows there's a bit of professional pride in a group of guys that are that are playing Uh because in terms of Maloney, I think he got some things right. As I said with, with Henderson, uh, especially, I thought that 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 was a really good call. But I thought I was surprised how late he, he left it to bring someone like Jasper on, who, while not perfect, uh, clearly has the ability to beat a couple of men and create something. I thought to only bring him on the 90th minute, bizarre, really. Um, there was eight um, minutes left, to be fair, in, in yeah, terms yeah. of uh, injury time. And Rocky Bashiri... And Taylor... Is, oh, sorry. And then Taylor Moore, I mean, I don't know how he stayed on the park, really, when but he pushed the coaches in, over. Is a push not... I mean... Had, I mean he's I, already I, been booked. He got booked Taylor on in the game. Oh, had he? Right, okay. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I don't, I don't really... I, I, I don't mean, really... Okay. And then Cochrane as well, but... 
But to be honest, I, I some my mates beside me screaming about getting over. I'm just like, sharp, sharp. It's a free kick at the edge of the box. They're running out of time. Just concentrate on this bit. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. But I stopped myself. There wouldn't have been much time to. I was going to say take advantage of 10 men, take advantage of it being levelled up, I suppose. And Hibbs got away with one as well with Josh Campbell. I mean, that on another day, that's a red card. Yeah. Or if Hibbs don't already have somebody sent off, that's a red card. Um, yeah, most probably. So, um, aye, it, they, they go... They, some go for you and some don't. Rocky Bashiri uh, is don't. definitely the type of guy that is going to probably never or barely play for Hibbs again. And then we're going to see him... He'll go to the Europa League semi-final with Basel in five years' time or something. He'll be one of these guys that will turn up and he'll be like a really fucking good player. You know what I mean? But um, it's just not happened for him here because he's still quite a young laddie as well, isn't he? He's only he's only he's only twenty two, and and, yeah. and 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 I've said this in a podcast before. I mean, there's attributes. I can see exactly what players, what people think of him. I mean, he didn't play in this game at all, and I wasn't surprised because he had a really poor game at Tencastle. Aye. But um, he's uh, there is attributes there, but there's some real hindrance like his lack of timing on a jump and his aerial ability means that he can only really play on the flanks of a back three because you can't trust him in a two uh, which is low but he's he's big he's strong he's relatively quick and and as I said on this podcast before when I was talking about 22 if you look at all the other centre halves that play in the league where they were when they were 22 it's actually lower than where Rocky Bashiri is now and I think that sometimes we all do really forget that Um when we talk about when we talk about young defenders, and it's easy to do because sometimes they're playing shit, and it's impossible not to say that they're they're playing shit. Yeah, he's come from another country as well. Yeah, um, mm. so yeah, Hearts won that match and will contest the Scottish Cup final against Rangers, who the day after disposed of Celtic in injury time, two one. Now, Tony, this year for Celtic is all about rising. Rising, but did they get enough out of their centre forward? Dyson, oh, that was good, mate. Cheers, it's good work. I'll be, I'm gonna. I hope, uh, I hope people get up. the reference, otherwise, I just sound like a bit of shit. Right, you're a garage artist and you're on people just do nothing. Uh, uh, I'm gonna stick up for Spexy. Uh, while it was uh, cringe, and and these things always are cringe, anyone doing any sort of football related music, um. Like that, like not record. You know, you understand what I mean. Going out, putting yourself, your head above the parapet. It's always going to look cringe. But the guy had flow. There you go. And some of his rhymes were decent. So even um, the one about sharing, uh, representing the same area as Stephen Welsh. Yeah, <laughs> some of them are slightly questionable. Yes, but on the whole, I think the boy did a good job. And and put your head above the parapet like that. I mean, you know, you're only going to get yeah, absolute abuse. Yeah, yeah, is what you're you're going to get. But. Um, and I, Dyson, he, I like him, uh, and I, and I've spoke on here, but I think as a as a centre forward, uh, I don't know if he's quite good enough all round to be like up front by himself. His work rate's unreal. His tenacity is unreal. His touch is decent. It's not bad. It's certainly I wouldn't call him a bad player. But as I've been quoted on here before, I, I refer to him as uh, sort of like Scottish football's Dirk Coy. And and I think that's fair, and I think that's a positive. I think he's a really good tactical player for Celtic to have, and a good signing. But it wasn't a good place for them to be when you need sort of the quality that they have with Kyogo, or the other side of it, the um, the sort of downright only interest in scoring that Jack Amakis has is 
these are such powerful tools for Celtic to have in that team. And Maida just isn't the same. He's not as cutthroat as these guys. And you really need to be, when you're talking about a game like this, especially one where they really created, I mean, they created three, two chances. And one of them was CCV off the bar coming from a set piece. In terms of Celtic's performance, I don't think it was, again, the want of trying. But they'll be disappointed because there was just a lack of quality in their game. Yeah, I think... um... I mean, I think, obviously, making a joke to start talking about him, and it's not to point out and say he was the weak link or anything like that, but I think it was more Giacomakis being missing was a big thing for Celtic in that match. If he plays, I think it's a, it's a, it's a very different match. Um, you saw that Maida was quite uncomfortable there. He's had most of his success on one of the sides of the set, either side of the centre forward. Um, Abada came in and wasn't really as good as he's been at his peak. I think he, he, they kind of didn't get a big game performance at Rogic, which they often do in these kind of matches. Jota. Jota, yeah, he wasn't quite at it. Um, so yeah, but I think I think, I think, I think, I think those think, I think that's all related. A lot of that is related to Jakimakis not um, being able to uh, play, and I think Kyogo coming off the bench. I think while he did have his plus points and he did cause a few problems you could see the few moments where he did get into dangerous areas he wasn't quite as sharp and he's not the Kyogo that we've we've known and I think that kind of comes to what I think that comes sort of points to one of the main reasons why Rangers won and Celtic didn't and that was our substitutions it was quite weird that Van Bronckhorst didn't seem to make many changes from his extra time win Mm-hmm. on Thursday. I mean, he's got a big squad, but he's used a small pool of players for two extra time wins there, uh, which is great. Um, but his substitutes, I felt um, a few of them were by accident. I think, obviously, Arfield coming on, and then he scores the equaliser. Sakala came on at the same time as Arfield, I think. And mm-hmm. uh, Balogun came on, meaning that Bassey went out to left back. Now, Barisic was done, so that wasn't like a tactical switch. But... Tactically, it won them the game, and that's where. In fact, at first, it wasn't until I watched it back. I thought Stephen Welsh was maybe at fault, and he's not. James Forrest isn't um, tracking him, and again, that that can't keep up. That feeds into my point. Um, Forrest comes off the bench, not good enough. Kyogo not as good as he he has been. They went through three right backs in the game, which is obviously like um, a bit unfortunate. But they end up with Stephen Welsh there. It's not quite not quite good enough. So. Yeah, I think the difference in the end was the was the substitutes. And Sakala doesn't score the winner, but he he, he plays a very big part. He forces the winner. Yeah, yeah. Aye. He forces because as interesting. I mean, as I said, I done I done the preview pods, and I was talking about trying to second guess uh, Van Bronckhorst after extra time, and it's been a big question about Van Bronckhorst in general. How he doesn't seem to like using the squad, which I found really really strange. There's guys like Ruth has been on the periphery. Some would I would argue that he's 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 moved put put Morelos into the ground really, and that's why that's why he's injured. He he hasn't really fancied Kamara uh, very much at all. Um, all. All through, I mean, there's quite a lot. Stephen Davis is totally lost his sort of role in this, and only playing because I of think, injuries, basically. Yeah, and 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 they were used in the in the game in extra because they were forced to again in extra time at against Braga and Rangers got a second wind off the, off the back of these guys coming on and it's happened again here so 
I don't want to not criticise Van Bronker because I think he got some stuff right. I think the way he used Bassi, Bassi stepping onto Rogic, I thought that was quite brave. It was clearly a decision that they made to try and stifle uh, Rogic coming through and, and obviously having a centre-half who's willing to step out and do that is quite a brave decision to make um, through the game and, and, it, and it did work. So there's decisions he has made, but I think he's got a wee bit lucky. Oh, and this might be a really unfair, and I'm sure the Rangers fan tell me he has, that he hasn't, but it's like a lot of these changes have been forced on him and they've really worked out well for him and I include Braga in that. And maybe maybe now that he might grow a bit more trust in his, in his wider squad because he has a really good one. But at the same time, so much credit needs to go to Rangers. I don't think they played obscenely well. I've certainly seen Rangers play a lot, hell of a lot better. And I think there's an avenue of like Celtic were, were quite poor, especially in the, the last third in terms of asking any questions. I mean, you mentioned Abada. Abada relies on Jota. Abada's main skills are his movement coming in at the back. Um, and, and that relies on the guy on the other side, be it Taylor or Jota putting in balls. If that doesn't happen, that doesn't negate him entirely, but it takes away a big part of his game. Uh, but Rangers through force of will, fitness, um, um, I've managed to to go ahead and win the game when it didn't really everyone thought it didn't, wasn't going to happen due to what they'd done on the Thursday and then when it went to extra time as well you were like right there's no chance Celtic were a bit probably a bit better stronger than them in the first half extra time then Rangers got uh, another head to wind and I think Bassey's the one who epitomises it all because that's some marathon to sprint he doesn't when stop just either done- he's right into the stand he's got to, like, he's got another twenty yards to go before he's at the fans as well. <laughs> And it's good to see that for, for Bassey, like, cause obviously everyone's been raving about Bassey and he deserves it, but that's sort of like a hugely tangible memory of the season, which is like an end product, uh, that you get to witness from him. And I think he really, if a Rangers player deserves that this season, it, it is, um, Calvin Bassey, who's, I've got, surely got to be up there for, for their player of the year and, and definitely the, one of the most improved players in the entire country. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. In terms of Celtic, has there been a bit of an overreaction to one defeat? This is the first defeat in 30-odd matches or something like that. Domestically, I should say. Domestically, it's their first defeat in 30-odd matches. They are within a few wins of the title. All that given the shambles they were this time a year ago. I did think it was a bit of an overreaction. Not, not so much to how... Celtic played, but they're the trying to find scapegoats and the the overreaction to Bobby Madden's performance. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because even when you hear a lot of Celtic fans criticising, they will concede that he didn't have any decisions which had a material effect on the result. Celtic beat themselves by not playing well enough, but they still want to go on about Bobby Madden's performance. And I don't think this has been helped by... Um, the like, yeah, some certain pundits fixating like they often do on referees and and riling up more and more people to hate the referee. I mean, I think it's, I actually think it's a real problem in the country at the moment in the coverage and things like that. I think we, and I think most of it's innocent. I think we highlight far too many contentious decisions. I think a lot of our our highlights and our pre-match and post-match. And I think a lot of it's on decisions, but these things share well on social media and they, and, and they get people talking and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they get people phoning into radio stations. So I understand why. I think it's all done innocently, but I think it's, I think 
sometimes we go way over the top with it and this wasn't even that bad a performance by Bobby Madden. Okay, John Lundstrom maybe could have had three bookends. Mm. Uh, um, and there's a few other decisions that you could say, okay, what's he doing here and what's he doing there? And the, the, the goal is... A fraction, a tiny, tiny fraction, and we're I, sorry, we're just not going to debate those those offsides. Um, no. Those, there's no point. No, I mean, if it's a tiny, tiny bit like that, we, there's no point in debating it. It's just the referee, the, the linesman's got it wrong, and there's there's no way. A tiny bit. He's saying, well, he he probably thinks when he looks, it looks right. It would take it ages on VAR to figure if, out if that's uh, offside or not. So don't yeah. say it now, Craig. We know we're there now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, so I think that's... so. I think certain pundits. Uh, amplifying how bad a referee has been when he wasn't perfect, but he he managed to keep a lid on the match and he was trying to let it flow as much as he could. And like I said, the, the, he he wasn't the story. It, it, it was the football that worked out the, the the victor at the end of the day. It was nothing to do with Bobby Madden. No, no, I I totally agree with every single section of that, including. Um, the Celtic fans and the, and the overreaction about their own team because I, I thought they were poor but you're going to get poor perf- again but poor in the way of that they they couldn't they, they didn't hit the, the the quality in the last third wasn't good it wasn't poor in terms of they didn't apply themselves correctly or they or they, they didn't look up for it or anything like that it just Eventually, it's not like the 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 guys that they normally turn to. It hasn't worked. To they had injuries to key players during the game that they weren't able to rectify properly, as you mentioned with Welsh. So rather than just something, you just accept that you just got beat and you didn't play particularly well. And there's no point in but your teams deserves your your sort of like trust because they've they've gained it over a long long period of time. And like I said, Rangers, I don't think they played particularly... I don't think either team played... It was a very good game to watch. It was. Both of games always are. But neither team, I thought, played exceptionally well. As I said, I, I felt that Rangers rose above themselves in terms of uh, um, work rate and um, the, the intangibles that we talked to uh, stay in the game and, and their fitness looked great. And as I said, maybe a bit of luck with, the, with the, being forced to use their wider squad who are very, very good players. Um, and that might be it could be a really big week for Van Bronckhorst and his faith in his wider squad. It could really work really well for Rangers and Van Bronckhorst generally going forward. That he might have a bit more faith and more because I do. Th- I've been saying this for a while. I think it's been working against Rangers. Well, Van Bronckhorst is doing a good job, and you see tactical things he's doing that are good. He's quite tactically flexible in his shape sometimes and in and, and the style that they play in, but he didn't seem very flexible in his personnel. And I found that really strange And because these guys, we're talking about there's a group of like 16 guys at Rangers that are absolutely proven like to play in Scotland and in Europe and why you wouldn't want to, to sort of chuck Roof in for Dundee at home so Morelos is ready for Thursday round playing with our nightmares. That never really made any sense to me. So this could be one of those so like everything just working out perfectly for a manager and a club in one week because it's all been forced upon them and it's really come out well on the other side. And and like I say, I think Rangers do deserve a hell of a lot of credit to do that back-to-back and come out victors in both on a Thursday and a Sunday, which everyone knows. Everyone knows how hard it is. It is always spoken about down south. In England, the teams on Thursday, if they go for it in the Europa League, apart from maybe West Ham this season that they, they, they do shit in the league and half the time they just bump the Europa League. They don't even bother with it. So it shows how difficult it is to actually do. 
back to back and then doing it against your biggest rivals at Hamden in a semi-final if you're a fan you're they didn't fancy it, the fans. The Rangers fans had totally written this game off. They from behind as well, it. to add to what yeah. you said. They came from behind to win it as well. So, so they deserve, again, those intangibles. And that, again, these are the kind of games that build trust in the fan base with the players and the manager. These are the kind of moments that do it. Uh, and then in the later date, if it doesn't happen, it stops there being a meltdown and it means that the, 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 the fans, it unites people. Um, so I think that really, this week... In the fashion that they've come to the uh, to these two results could be really massive for Van Bronckhorst and Rangers players and fans and how they all work together going into to next season. But obviously, that all goes to shit if they lose the cup final, the Scottish Cup final. But even before next season, just before we finish up quickly, does this result have any bearing on getting the title race back on? <sighs> I, I just I don't see. Ranger Celtic losing enough games to make it happen. Even if, what if, is it six points? Then yeah, and a Rain- few ma- a f- quite a few goals as well. But I mean, so you need you need Celtic to lose the old firm game, lose another game, and then at least draw another game. Yeah, so drop points uh, and at least two I, matches. So they I think so they would only win two out of the last five. I just don't see it. No, I don't see it. Right. Okay. That, that I did ask you to keep it short, and you did well done. That'll be us. <laughs> Unusual for me, Craig. <laughs> yeah, very. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, Telfer once saying he was listening to a pod of yours and it was that phase where you were in charge of hosting for a wee while and every one of them was like an hour and 24 minutes or something like that and Telfer was just like this man must be stopped that just just, just reminds me of that all the time but yeah that was great Tony thank you Uh, the Scottish Cup semi-final weekend is always a great weekend of football or more more often than not it does not disappoint it was two very good matches I, I said I said that it was a very difficult watch as a Hearts fan. Uh, I'm sure it was for large parts as a, as a his fan as well. But I, I'd like to think for the neutral, it was a it was a very good watch. And I know Sunday's was. And not only that, but the Edinburgh derby before that was a good watch. So mm-hmm. maybe, again, maybe not so much for a Hibs fan. For a neutral, it would have been a good game. So maybe are we entering an, maybe entering an era of, uh, of good um, old firm in Edinburgh... Ed- Darby's. Well, well, fingers fingers crossed, and and uh, like you say, it never disappoints. The aftermath certainly hasn't disappointed either. I mean, uh, Hibs have sacked their manager. Celtic have had a meltdown about Bobby Madden. <laughs> so it's uh, um, and now we've now Vars come in, and oh god, just everything. And then, like today, I'm back to work after four four days off for the bank holiday. Back to work. I was in straight into a meeting about sort of like. Uh, like sharing with funders about the way that we should like fund employment. So it's about vision and how we look. Really not what you want for your first day back to talk about the big overarching things. So you're sitting there trying to get through that, offer sort of pertinent opinions that people are, you've been asked to come along to to do it and then your phone's going off and Maloney's gone and and VAR's come in and you're doing a podcast and you're like, whoa, it's been an absolute whirlwind of a a day. Just wait till the Wednesday after a, a long weekend, man. Don't batter it all in in one fucking day but yeah no never. I think it, any, it never stops any other week we probably would be going on to the patreon now to talk about var but yeah. because there's been some other big news today and because you're available we're going to go talk about Sean Maloney and his time they can do var on Thursday they can do var on Thursday and hopefully else. I'm fuck all to do with Somebody it <laughs> Fowler needs to start pulling his weight <laughs> he, can, he can do it <laughs> 
<laughs> right, let's get out of here before uh, I get us into trouble. Um, please check out our stuff that's going up on Patreon, including the thing about Maloney that we're just going to go do now and check out the TV show on iPlayer because it's it's done. It's done for the season. It'll be back. And we will be back again on Thursday, I assume. And yeah, just say, just say bye, Tony. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.